Yo. Yo. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Shots fired for fuck's sake. Shots fired for fuck's sake. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. You know that shots fired. Shots fired, yeah. Welcome to this week's episode. We're joined by Kairos. We're joined by G, and we're going to get into it. We are going to get into it this week. There is no Chasanga this week. He is on. Uh, I think he said he was on football duty. I think England's playing um, Spurs or something like that. Football goes way over my head. So <laughs> England is <laughs> playing <laughs> Germany. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm messing that up. I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to football, but something about something, something football, he's not able to join us. And uh, we're going to get into it, though. But I want to kick things off. Now, in the lead up to the title fight where Ian Gary met Jack Grant for the welterweight, welterweight title fight on Cage Warriors last week, that um, particular build-up, I have to say, was um, a pretty phenomenal one in that in the preamble, in the pre-fight interview that he had, and this is Ian Gary, with, um, I forget the guy's name, he's from another outlet, but um, it was quite an interesting interview, it was quite an intriguing interview. Just to set the scene though, Ian Gary is the much-touted uh, welterweight who is signed to Europe's cage warriors. Now, Gary, I have to say, he is phenomenal in terms of look, in terms of his talking prowess, and in terms of the team that he, well, used to rock with. This guy, Ian Gary, used to rock with Chris Field's um, KF um, outfit. Now, KF is quite a big deal in Ireland in that, it's based in Swords, and um, it actually is 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 home to some serious up and comers. Um, Ian Gary being one of them. So, in the preamble, in the build up to his fight, um, in, in in an interview, he was uh, basically going into and around the houses, around the fact that in the build up to this fight, he was actually um, without his team, and that was KF, had actually, uh, in his own words, um, told him they no longer uh, want to be, uh, well, in his camp, as it were, and he was no longer welcome in their company. Now, as I say, Chris Fields is uh, quite a prominent uh, name attached to KF, because Chris Fields, as you probably remember, was um, a tough alumni. He is um, quite a prominent player in uh, Cage Warriors as well. The housewife's choice, his name uh, rings bells and um, should actually remind you um, of his pedigree. But it would seem that um, this falling out, albeit that not much was known before the fight, and that was, you know, before um, Ian Gary's 
fight with Jack Grant. Now, Ian Gary is supposed to, um, well, Ian Gary and Jack Grant were fixed to do the do. And in the build-up to that, as I say, all of this kind of like almost unsaid business was actually in the background. Now, you may have seen, because I'm sure I dropped it in the chat, that whilst in the throes of this pre-fight interview, he was um, in the throes of explaining and uh, a hand actually came out of nowhere. It was a mysterious hand, very much like the hand at the top of this show came out and basically stopped him from his flow, stopped him from disclosing what he wanted to actually get into. And that was the whys and wherefores of this split between himself and Team KF. Now, I found that kind of like creepy until the camera kind of like disclosed that it was his uh, other half. And um, for the keen-eyed amongst you, um, she was also uh, on the present or presenting um, roster for Cage Warriors. But that's a bit of backstory. I probably hammered the point home there in terms of the relationship. But it would seem that uh, Ian Gary is now the housewife's choice because this housewife, um, because she is married, is now, you know, I suppose boyfriend and girlfriend team with um, Ian Gary and they've uh, set up a management team uh, together is how it's been presented to me. And um, this management team obviously is looking after his interests. And I suppose, I mean, I don't have the full story. I suppose the, the, the management team will be looking after um, other future fighters. Anyway, my long and windy road actually leads us to the statement which actually came from Team KF after that initial um, struggle to get the words out from Ian Gary. And Team KF issued this statement earlier this week. This past week, Team KF has stayed silent out of respect for the Cage Warriors promotion to minimize any disruption to the fantastic fights that they promote and also not to interfere with the welterweight title bouts on fight week. We now want to take the opportunity to set the record straight on the back of some statements and insinuations uh, from the current welterweight champion and his manager. Team KF adheres to a set of ethics and values and are sacred that are sacred above the needs of one individual member. Some of the values that we openly promote are loyalty, honor, and respect where an individual no longer abides by these rules and expects special privileges in regards to their contribution to the club, that individual will be informed that their position as a team member is untenable. No one, no one individual is bigger than the overall welfare and safety of the team. With that in mind, Ian Gary was informed he was no longer a member of the club after repeated warnings regarding his behavior to other teammates and his coaches that had become distant, distinct since employment of a new manager in March. After this appointment, he became uncoachable. This was not a decision that was taken lightly as considerable time and resources were dedicated to Ian's training at a cost to the club since he made his amateur debut a dozen fights ago, up until he attained 
his world title fight under the tutelage of his coaches with the support of his teammates. Team KF is drawing a line under the matter. We will return our focus to training even more champions in the future and helping other members achieve their fitness and martial arts goal. Now, I've put all that together to say this. We've seen this recently. Joshua Fabius springs to mind. And uh, if you cast your mind back to the 60s, Yoko Ono with the Beatles and uh, John Lennon, it would seem that when an outside force actually intervenes, actually joins what is, I suppose, a winning formula, a winning kind of like combination, things do go awry. I want you each to actually rein me in. Are we seeing a return or are we seeing a reenactment of what happened with Joshua Fabia here? Here is this man's girlfriend, stroke manager, now intervening, not only in interviews, but obviously in his uh, day-to-day affairs as a mixed martial artist. Is Team KF ever so slightly sensitive and uh, in withdrawing their support because of the interaction of the management and uh, the subsequent, what they claim is uh, uh, the disrespect, I suppose, can only be uh, drawn from the inferences that have been um, outlined there. Are they right to actually withdraw their help, especially so soon um, or so near to the fight? Remember, this happened in fight week. This happened in the run-up to a title fight. I mean, Jack Grant is no pushover. And to abandon this young man at this late stage, is that, first of all, out of order? So just to recap, my question is, is it out of order at this late stage? And are we seeing a kind of like rerun of the Joshua Fabia saga? I'm going to go with G first. Okay, so I think you might need to pump the brakes on the Joshua Fabia angle because <laughs> there's, there's, there's Joshua um, Fabia and then there's like piss poor managers or sometimes, you know, mothers, family members and girlfriends join the management team and then you see shit hit the fan. You see, um, you know, you see, <laughs> you see fighters or people in sports like their work ethic diminishes, you know, they're having problems with former teammates now that they have this new manager. And it sounds like that to me. It sounds like as soon as she jumped on board to help out and become his manager, they started to report about his behavior, you know, from what I'm, from what I'm hearing from you. So it sounds like they have every right to kind of cut ties with him, but I don't necessarily think she's like a cult leader or she's about to rip him off or suck him dry, but she just might be a bad manager. And also too, why is she interrupting? I saw the video, Mike, why is she interrupting? She put her hands on him real quick and just shut it down. It's like, are you his manager, his girlfriend, his mother? What are you doing? And also, like, are you not worried about how that looks at the moment? It's just poor management if I see one. But I don't know. I don't think she's a cult leader. <laughs> Is there something to be said, though, just to follow on question, of your girlfriend being your manager in a situation where before there was a winning formula. Yeah, like you're asking me if, the, if it's related, like girlfriend, manager. Yeah, I, I think more times than and not, you see like when couples are managing each other or couples are coaches, I don't always find them to be the most successful fighters 
you know, in the sport. Not to say that every time a fighter hooks up with a coach or like a manager that it's not going to be successful because look at, you know, Valentina Shevchenko has a nice thing going on with her sister's husband. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, that seems to be working. I know that didn't, sounds kind of weird. But didn't Mike, the, didn't Mike Perry try the same thing? Exactly. And I was going to bring up another example where it was a bad idea. So it's like there's there's good instances and bad. But in talking about Ian Gary and, and Layla, this sounds bad, like poor management from the girlfriend. It's not a coincidence that before she showed up, he was fine with this gym, you know, this this company. And then now she showed up and they're having problems. You have to pay attention to that. OK, Kairos. Well, the first question, yeah, that's out of order. You can't jump ship during the fight camp of a championship fight. Have some fucking tact and professionalism. How are you going to do that to that man like that? That's fucked. I don't care what happened. The fact that you were tra actively training this person and were prepping them for a championship fight, and then you just said, all right, here's the last straw. We're fucking done. This wasn't the first time this happened. I'm sure stuff like this had happened previously. Mm. And you waited to internalize that until now seems like you were planning on doing something like this to send a message. Seems like this wasn't some, oh, I guess I have no other choice. You're on your own. It seems like you're like, I'm going to make sure I'm going to set this motherfucker up to fail in two weeks. But like, it seemed like that to me. Also, that is a where I'm not saying that she's at the caliber of Joshua, Joshua Fabio, where he was, but these are the early like telltale signs. Like that is some, that's some <laughs> manipulation. That's a system of control. That, I don't care what anybody says. I think people were giving it some slack because she she was like hiding outside of the camera and like they couldn't see. But that's some manipulation. I don't like that shit at all. Fighters, I see this too many times. Y'all need to stop dating your training partners, dating your coaches and dating your match. How about you be a fucking professional, meet some people outside of your fucking world? That, that, that would do you some justice because it would expand your world a little bit more. Stop dating people that you see every day in the gym. It makes it a lot more complicated. It makes the world a lot smaller for you in an already small world. That's my biggest issue with these motherfuckers right now. I, I don't understand. And don't tell me, oh, sometimes it works out for the best. No, it doesn't. Nine times out of ten, that shit goes and goes to shit. It goes to <laughs> shit almost every single time. The one time is the exception, not the rule. So as far as I'm concerned, I mean, this dude's fucked. This dude's fucked because you already lost your team. And now you're in a terrible fucking management situation. And I guarantee you, she's not going to be helping him win any fights anytime soon. So I'm just, I think you better crawl back on your hands and knees to your camp and beg for forgiveness at this point. If I, was I mean, he, he won against Jack Grant, though. Like, yeah. right? That's great. Yeah. So what That's does that great. tell you? You had prep time with the training camp. Let's see how it goes for you. Also, Mike Perry won against, what's his fucking face? Mickey, Mike Perry got a win over Mickey Gall with no one in his corner, but Valerie, that don't mean shit. Look what and he's he doing like after the shit. Fact. That's what I'm saying. So I'm just like, no, this this is not something that should be permanent. This is not something that you should keep doing. You better get a real fucking gym. And you better distance yourself from these poisonous people in your life. I'm not giving her any flack. I mean, I'm not giving her any like leeway with this. Like you're a manipulator and you're going to ruin this dude's career. Fucking hop off. Same as how we'd say if it was Joshua doing this shit. I do agree. I just don't think she's as dangerous as Joshua, but who knows? Maybe she'll turn into Joshua. It does start somewhere, like Cairo said, but yes. there is a difference He's between cold dangerous. leaders. There's a difference between scammers and a bad manager, you know? So we'll see where she falls. <laughs> You're up next, Kairos. 
Okay, so we all, well, I don't know if we all saw it, but a lot of us saw the video of Joe Schilling in a restaurant. It seemed like it was either a restaurant or some like country club, some shit like that. Mm. And there's this man who seemed a little bit drunk and he was saying things I couldn't decipher what it was. And Joe Schilling comes up from behind, like nudges him. And then he hits him with a fucking combination and knocks him out and just continues on his day, just walking past him. And some people were like trying to justify it, saying, well, he said something racist. Some people were saying he was being belligerent the whole night. And so I just see a lot of people making like excuses and arguments for this man. And mind you, mind you, if Joe Schilling wasn't a professional fighter, I wouldn't have this type of energy towards it. If the guy who Joe Schilling attacked was a fighter, I wouldn't have this type of energy towards it either. But for y'all trying to justify a guy who not only competed in the major promotion of MMA on the planet, but also competed in glory, but also competed in all these other, like this man is a fucking striker. Whether you like him, like him or not, he can win fights. And he is a, he's a high level striker. And he took his power and he took the thing that he specializes in and abused it. I don't think there's any scenario where, what, what Joe Schilling did that was right. Just like, come on, bro. And you did, and it wasn't even like a, oh, I'm trying to defend myself. It was you initiated this because you closed the distance with him. You didn't avoid him. And then you went and just knocked him out with a combination. Like, I don't understand how people are trying to justify this. I think Joe Schilling is out of his fucking mind. And the same smoke that we gave Mike Perry for knocking out that old man is the same energy we need to be giving Joe Schilling for knocking out that dude. That's all I'm saying. My issue with the whole scenario is the catalyst for what actually happened is hearsay. What I'm hearing is racial slurs. What I'm hearing is there was a bit of needle before that scenario played out. But what I'm also seeing is the guy actively went either to motion, to pretend, even though, um, obviously, Joe Schilling is a professional fighter. Natural instinct is to put those hands up and to throw before someone throws towards you. Now, that, to me... I feel is justification. The racial slurs is justification. The fact is he shut him down and he shut him down good. I think we should make racist catching the fade again fashionable. Okay, listen, I agree to an extent, but you're a professional. It's different when mm. it's a person on the street who can, it's different. It's completely different. You are trained at this every single, you've dedicated seconds to your life to do this shit. And as you said, it's hearsay. So we don't know what the fuck was said. Yeah. Maybe Joe Schilling was just fucking drunk and wanted to take it out on somebody. We don't know. And even if the dude was saying the most racist shit on the planet, even if he was saying just inward, Joe, that isn't your fight to fight. I'm sorry. Just like you. Nah. Can I happen real quick? Go. Uh, two things. If it's not true that there were any racial slurs thrown at the waiter or at Joe Schilling or whatever, I most certainly don't condone this. And not because he's a fighter, but it's because I don't think there was self-defense. You know what I mean? If, if this, you can't just beat someone up over words. However, if this involves race or racial slurs, shout out to Joe Schilling if it's the truth, because <laughs> I bet that wa I bet that waiter or whoever was the racial slur was directed to really, really appreciates Joe Schilling. And I say that because not too long ago, I was walking the street and somebody came up to me and said something to me about being gay and black. And he followed me for a couple of blocks. 
as a woman, I couldn't do anything except take out my camera and act like I was recording him, which scared him. Now, if Joe Schilling or anybody else was there and put his hands on him, I would have thanked him and they would have made me feel safe. But if, and this is just speaking from someone who is from a marginalized group that has been picked on for their appearance and has been called a racial slur. Shout out to people like Joe Schilling that are like, yo, fuck that shit. But Joe, if it ain't true and you just had been drinking and the guy was just talking out the side of his mouth, you dead ass wrong. And also from a law enforcement perspective, there is enough probable cause to arrest him, whether it was racial or not. So I'm gonna leave it with that. But if it's racial, thank you, Joe Schilling, from people that need to be defended on the street sometimes. But go ahead. Just to reinforce that as well, I really do think that we need to make it, we, we need to make it fashionable so that if this is a recurring theme, it will stop people like that talking out the side of the mouth and delivering racial um, slurs to people. Trust me, the more people see things like that, and that is there is, there is an action, it was, sorry, there's a reaction for every action, it will deter people from actually giving out those racial slurs because what normally happens is we take it, we absorb it. It's like water for ducks back and that's why it keeps on happening again and again. I'm for retaliation now because it's about time we stood up and said, no, no more. You know what I okay. think is interesting too, Mike? A lot of, mm. I don't mean to cut you off Kairos, but I get a lot of DMs from white people that I follow. And sometimes I think to myself, they probably don't know a lot of black people except for me and we have some type of rapport. So what I get a lot of my DMs from white people is, what can I do to, to help with racism? And you know what I tell them? Hold other white people accountable. When you are with your white friends and someone mm. drops the N word or someone supports something from Trump that is clearly racist or your friend is just a fucking racist and there's no black people around, you put them in their fucking place. Because it is so paramount and so much stronger and just it means so much when another white person says, hey, do not speak to another marginalized group like that. It helps. Now, am I encouraging violence? No. But if, if somebody called me the N word and somebody wants to beat that person up for me because I'm a woman, please do. Thank you. That's, that's it. And that's fine if they if you want to. That's fine. I agree that they should get what's coming to them, but not from Joe. Joe could have asked. Joe could have taken that situation completely different based off who he is. He's already a menacing person. And he had that dude in size in every single category. Joe had that dude. In every, he could have just stood up to him right then and there and talked to him and didn't let him go anywhere and talk to him the whole time. Not walking up to him and knocking him the fuck out in two seconds. Like, are we really about... Let me put this into perspective for you. Let me put this into perspective for you. If it was Anthony Rumble Johnson in that bitch and people were talking and he said someone said some racist shit and they were my size and Anthony Rumble Johnson knocked them the fuck out. Would we be giving Anthony Rumble Johnson the benefit of the doubt? I would. I really No, would. we wouldn't. I'm would. talking about the people on this cat podcast. I'm talking about us. I would. I tell you why, because I'm giving Joe the benefit of the doubt, because that looked as though, seriously, what actually instigated that had to be some vehemently uh, obnoxious type of shit, because the proportion of the reaction was so fierce and so swift, it made me think whatever that provoked it, it must have been some medieval shit. 
Yeah, I would give Anthony Johnson the benefit of the doubt because even though I think he's a sleazy white woman beating type of fighter, he's still a black man that can experience racism. Mm. So if he did knock somebody out for another group, Asians, whatever, he's still someone that experiences racism. So of course I would support him, but I can also like separate the fact that I don't like him, but he's still a black guy that can experience racism. So if he knocks out somebody... For that, I'd, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm holding him to the same standard as Schilling. And I, and like I said before, I think it's even more important when a white person does it than a black person. So I'm going to hold them to the same standards, Kairos. Like, I would do the same for Anthony Johnson. That's I get your point, though. It's wrong. I, what Kairos is saying, he has a strong sense of right and wrong. And I think everyone needs to know that Kairos is 100% correct. What Joe did, you can't fucking do. <laughs> but guess who don't give a fuck because I'm from that marginalized group. Sometimes I need an extra hand. So I'm biased. Do you understand Kairos? Like I'm biased. I yeah, I get that. Yeah. I, like, like I said, it's just like, if, if it was anybody else, but a martial artist who had almost a hundred professional fights across different disciplines, I wouldn't be saying this, but because it's him, I'm like, bro, come on. You're holding like, him to a different standard. You're, that's yeah. Beating the fucking half. Yeah. That's like, come on, bro. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious. I mean, I know I'm taking this off at a tangent, but I'm, 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 I'm interested in your reaction. If that had happened to you and it had indeed um, been as a result of a racial slur, what would have been your reaction? Me personally, I'm going to yeah. talk to you and confront you because me, me trying to whoop your ass over your ignorance is not going to help. I, have, I come from the perspective of me personally, I have a lot to lose. There's a lot of stuff that I set out to accomplish. So why in the fuck would I let you compromise what I'm trying to achieve? Because the second I hit you, guess what? There's a lot of motherfuckers like me, just as talented, if not more talented than me, in prison right now for X yeah. amount of years because they decided to do this shit. I'm not saying I agree completely that that he did it, that he shouldn't have done this, but I'm just saying you got to be aware of the repercussions of your actions too. And me allowing myself to be inc incarcerated because of you, you win in the end. Not me. You won in the end because you're free continuously doing the shit that you did. And I'm sitting in prison because I had to defend my ego and my honor in that very moment. And I had to fucking knock you out. And you banged your head on something. You died or some shit. Like, no, I'm just I'm thinking about cause and effect and what happens after the fact. That's how I see it. Like, no, I'm just I'm just not going to do it. How about you, G? Um... I, I just, I totally, totally understand where Kairos is coming from, but I'm so biased. I don't give a fuck if a fighter or a homeless man defends me when somebody's picking on me racially no, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, what would you do? What would be your reaction? Give me a scenario so I can so the scenario like, is what we're thinking happened there. And a racial slur like, was thrown at uh, a waiter. And let's just say it was thrown at you. Racial slur was thrown at you. What's going to be your reaction? Are you rolling up on people and throwing hands, or are no. you kind of talking them down? And uh, I'm I'm either walking away. Honestly, I'm either walking away from my safety, ignoring it, or um, if I'm in a mood, which happens a lot, I'm cursing you right out. But to put my hands on somebody, no, I'm like Kairos. I just have way too much to lose. I'm an adult, and there's consequences to my behavior. But like I said, if somebody else want to whoop somebody ass for me, come on. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I'm speaking from a, I went to college in a small ass white town in Tennessee. They still fucking have, it doesn't matter. But the point is like, if you think a situation like this hasn't happened to me numerous times, mm -hmm. you're mistaken. But yeah. the thing is this, what would happen to me in rural Tennessee if <laughs> I knock someone the fuck out in a bar? 
You think I'm escaping there a lot. You think I'm not going to prison. You're crazy. That's the, that's can, just the difference. Can you I share a story? Can I share a story? Because that actually happened to me, and I was oh, on wow. duty as I was on duty as a police officer, and I was working like a bar overtime. And they fought inside the bar. Security came throughout the two dudes fighting. When the guy came out the bar, his face was crushed. I had to call the ambulance. And then everybody on the street kind of got in his face to look at his face. I told this one dude, I said, stay back. I'm trying to help him. He was like, shut the fuck up, you black bitch. Do you know that I slapped him across his face in, in, in full uniform? And... I did not sleep for how many weeks? Because that's one, that's brutality. Two, if he had complained, I would have got fired. You have to be mindful of what Kairos is saying. There are consequences to your behavior. Do y'all do know that I did not sleep for a very long time? All he had to do was go to the police station and say the short-haired Black woman would have fade slapped me because I called mm. her a Black bitch. Guess who's wrong? Because I'm held to a higher standard because one, I'm a police officer and I'm an adult. So to this day, I still think about it like I could have lost my job. I could have been arrested. You know what I'm saying? Like I committed an act that I would have done when I wasn't in uniform and I wasn't able to just realize that and be like, I can't be Gina right now. But I'm telling y'all and listen to what Kairos is saying. If you're going to get involved in some shit like this, police can come and take you away. So remember the consequences of losing your job or da da da. So Kairos is on to something. So you've made me kind of like back down what I was going to say then, because that would have been my default, not to punch, not to elbow, but to slap somebody. That's right what I did. Face. Right. I'm, really? Not even in the face. I take it back. It was back here like an old grandmother, like the back of the head. Because I was like, what'd you say to me? And I just and then he fell backwards and he right. ran. And I never saw him again. But after he ran, the crowd cheered. And then my partner was like, yo, you fucking crazy. But word. And then she was still bent over the dude. Mm. And I, I could not sleep for days because I was like, I'm going to get fucking fired. Police cannot just do this. And that's what makes me think of Kairos's response. Like, be careful of the consequences of like, what'd you say? What? what? Wow. You going to jail? It's always, <laughs> it's always those people who got so much to talk. That will go straight to the police after. It is literally exactly. always, it is literally I, I, always those people. I would have done that probably off duty, but I was I got so upset with him. The stress of having people like, look at that guy, and you're trying to help him. I lost it and slapped the guy who called me a black bitch. You, you can't do that. There's consequences. See, that why I, why I went to the default slap because I've got kind of like history with this precedent with this. I was in a curry um, shop. And it was basically a restaurant like sells um, tandoori. And I, you know, I might like his food. So I was queued up there, but I'd left my bike untethered outside the shop. Now it was a glass front. So I could see my bike. It was propped up against the side. So I kept looking back momentarily and talking to the, the guy cooking my meal. Cause it's like an open kitchen, splendid mm -hmm. place. Anyway, I looked back for one second. I just couldn't believe it. My heart stopped. My bike had gone. So I ran out of the shop and I could see this guy riding away on my bike. So I took off after him. He wasn't even going fast. It was though he was kind of like nonchalantly trying to like blend in. Chilling, yeah. And when he turned the corner, I spun around the corner after him. So I grabbed the tire, the back tire, and just yanked it. So he skidded off into the Word. pavement. So he got up again and then he tried to get back on my bike. So I went across his face. So he took off running. Like that. Yeah. He took off running. 
But Mike, do you I know? Throwing hands, I went papaya. But let's say that I did the same thing, but the back of the head. But if right, if he had if he had fallen though and hit the back of his head, guess who's going to jail? Joe <laughs> Schill, Joe, for real, Joe Schilling too. That man went unconscious. Where I come from in D.C., police, we have to lock you up for that. And now it's a felony because the person went unconscious. I don't know where Joe did this and what the laws are there, but there are serious consequences to what he did. So that's why I'm not like the way I was years ago doing that, sh that <laughs> shit. I, I try to chill. I might pop off on the train. Y'all see my tweets about the train. I have definitely told somebody what the fuck you're looking at when they stare at me because I'm gay. You know, like, because, you know, I'm tomboyish. I've definitely been like, fuck you looking at. Plus, I'm from New York. That's what we say when you stare for too long. Wow. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, I get it. But at my age right now, I'm trying to be cool. I'm not trying to get into none of that no more. <laughs> Okay, G, looks like you're up. <laughs> okay, so uh, where do I start? Man, as if the heavyweight division couldn't get any worse. We are getting an unnecessary interim heavyweight title fight between Derek Lewis and Cyril uh, Gan. Um. And I'm sitting here like, what the fuck is going on? I'm waiting for um, Francis Ngannou versus John Jones. Probably not going to happen. Then I'm waiting for what? The rematch. Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis because... I know that they're not going to do that lackluster fight again. And both of them just, they want, I think they want that second chance. Boom. We're not getting it. We are getting Derek Lewis versus the prospect that's doing really well. Cyril gone. I don't, I don't know what to make of this. I don't know what's going on with his management and Dana White. I did hear that Dana White said they were incompetent and the management, uh, Francis's management shot back immediately and was like, we don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> which was hilarious. And then on top of it, shout out to Uncle Yaji. Y'all need to follow this crazy dude on MMA Twitter. <laughs> he has the wildest fucking takes. Matter of fact, let me put his, out, his, um, his handle out there so everyone listening can jump on this. It's at zero, excuse me, at 101 underscore uncle. Follow this crazy account. He has the craziest takes. But one of his takes hit me today and it resonated with me. This is what um, Uncle Yaji said. Usman became champ in March. By September, they were trying to strip him, they meaning the UFC. They made another belt in his division. Woodley fought four times in 12 months, and they, UFC, still made an interim belt. And Gano just won the belt three months ago, and they're making an interim belt. All black champs. You see where I went with that? See where I went with that? So my question to you, fellas, is this. Do you think race plays a factor in the treatment of Francis Ngano and this unnecessary interim title? two-part question, you know me, why do you think the UFC is even creating this unnecessary interim title belt? And I am going to start with Kairos. Yes to the first one, one million times, yes. And why? Because they're using it as a bargaining tactic against him to say, all right, well, guess what? If you don't want to fight under our stance, we just crowned a new champion. We'll just have them be upgraded to a champion and have them fight in your place. That's essentially what they're doing. But the funny thing is about our MMA community is, like, look at our demographic. Look at the amount of fighters that we have and how it breaks down racially. You'll be an idiot to not think that they are using racism for the, their bottom line. And the funny thing is, we had a Twitter spaces last night. And it wasn't even about this topic. No, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Like, indirectly, it was. Um, but this one gentleman came in 
because he was so upset off of a tweet. He was just calling people dumb bitches. He was like, y'all know what the fuck you talking about. There ain't no racism in the UFC. Da, da, da. So we talked. This was to, in spaces? This was last night at like three in the morning. Oh, I, I was asleep. Out Twitter I was y'all asleep. Hop in. Yeah, yeah. So they, they brought this dumb motherfucker in. And the entire time he was like, the UFC has tons of black champions that they promote. And I'm giving you a direct quote about what he said. He said, they got, they had Anderson Silva. For y'all who don't know, Anderson Silva ain't black. Then he said, they had John Jones. They had, who else did he say? He said some people. And I was just like, okay, well, there's your fucking problem right there. You thought Anderson Silva was black. You're already off to a fucked up start. But his, he didn't grasp the concept that every single black champion that was of a certain ability that you had no choice but to accept because they kept winning, UFC had no choice but to work with them. They were forced to work with John because he won for so long. You have to work with him eventually. But then I pointed out there were the greatest fighter of all time, arguably, got zero promotion, even though he fit a perfect demographic of the gamers. The gamers fuck with Demetrius Johnson, whether people know it or not. The gamers fuck with the more gamers know who Demetrius Johnson is than probably MMA fans, which is what the scary part of the situation. And they didn't cash in on that. Why? But the second Henry Cejudo got in there, they fucking wanted to promote the fuck out of him. In fact, he traded that fighter for a motherfucker who ain't even fighting right now in the UFC, who's retired, who ain't accomplished motherfucking nothing under the UFC banner. And then you got people who are sitting here saying, well, what about Israel Adesanya? They, they had to promote him. But yes, they had to fucking promote him because he wouldn't fucking lose. They had no choice but to fucking promote him. But let me get this straight. You're going to tell me that the UFC has had fair treatment to black athletes but aren't constantly trying to underpromote them, undercut them, and put interim belts in their place while they're fighting and acting champions. Tyron Woodley was bitched at for almost four straight years for being an inactive champion when he was one of the more active champions at the time. But Stipe gets to fucking chill out for two years, but Dominic Cruz gets to chill out for fucking years, where Kobe can sit back for an entire fucking year and wait for his fight to come, and no one says shit. But then you got motherfuckers who want to sit here and bend over backwards and defend those people. But then when a black champion is actually active, y'all want to say some shit. That's the fucking biggest fucking pet peeve of mine, too. There is a double standard, clearly. And the funny part is, in this talk with this guy, he said, it's not racism, it's business. And so then everyone was everyone was hammering on him. But you know me, I have to keep my composure because, you know, it's always this, this animalist. So I was like, okay, let me stay poised and actually ask some questions and poke around with what he called logic. So I said, so do you think racism isn't normality in business practices? And he said, no. And I said, okay, well, then you don't understand business practices. And then everyone was like, fuck you, and then he left the chat. But it was just, (laughs) a lot of these people don't understand what they're talking about because they either don't research anything or they're stuck in an echo chamber of people who just reiterate their own own basic ideas. And that's the problem. That's a huge problem. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's not their fault that they don't know that. Fuck you, bitch. You're old enough to fucking know. You're fucking old enough to do some research. And that's my, yes, it's fucking racially motivated. 1,000%. It's only been three months since you won the fucking title. When the fuck have they ever done that? And then the people want to say it's a business decision. How many motherfucking pay-per-views do you think they're going to sell with Derek Lewis and Sheryl Guy as the headliner? Let's be honest for a second. Let's talk about it. If it's such a fucking business decision, how much money are they actually going to gain from this? I don't think that pay-per-view reaches 500,000. And I'm not counting the 500,000 that ESPN has to buy. 
And the fact of the matter is they do this to black champs more than white champs, period. Of course, it's racially motivated. It's, it's the same story when someone's like white people get killed by the police, too. Yes, they do. But who gets killed by them more? Black people. Just because y'all get killed by them, too, does not negate the fact that we are having a serious issue with black people being killed by the police. And the same shit applies to the UFC. Y'all don't do this to white champs, but y'all do it to black champs more than white champs. And Tyron Woodley has been telling us this for a while. I'm taking out Mike's thunder. I'm passing you the mic. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> you know something? I don't think there is anybody on the planet who could look at Dana White and him nailing his ethos, his ideology, and his outlook to the mast when he sidled up to Trump. Because he reflected his values. He reflected his policies. He reflected his outlook. The moment he stood up and he aligned himself with that man. We know what he was about. Look at where he stood when he was talking about, you know, the lawlessness, so-called lawlessness, and the fact that, you know, they want to defund the police and make this an anarchy situation. When he was supporting Trump hard, that was when it was like full stop capital letter where you stand in terms of your race theory. For me, it's kind of evident where he stands because we've got so many examples to go by. The one which is kind mm -hmm. of evident and was shouted from the rooftops by the man himself was Tyron Woodley. Tyron Thank Woodley you. was shouting this back in the day and people were shouting him down, even though there were examples, tangible examples of discrimination, even though there were tangible examples of disparity in terms of treatment. But you only have to look at what he said recently. And it's recent months. He looked at Francis Ngannou as some kind of diva. He was looking at him as somebody he was talking above his station. Why is it when a black man asks for what he wants, i.e. John Jones, i.e. Francis Ngannou, they're talking above their station. They're getting ahead of themselves. And when other fighters do it, they're being assertive. They're looking after their future. They're actually future-proofing their income. Why is that? Now, for me, I think the answer is abundantly clear. For me, just to answer your question, G, this was mm -hmm. a power play, and it was a power play on two fronts. One, a racial front, but secondly, on the front which says to me, Dana White wants to maintain this image of, I call the shots, I'm the shot caller, you are going to do what I say. He wants Francis Ngannou to fight, hence the reason why he's pulled this move. There's no other way around it. I don't know why, I just get this feeling that Francis Ngannou wanted to wait it out until John Jones was back in the negotiation, John Jones was back in the conversation, and he was kind of like edging this towards the beginning of next year when John Jones has said that he's going to be out for. And Dana White got wind of this by the time that he was talking about, no, I'm not fighting now, perhaps August, perhaps September. And Dana White said to himself, nah, this whole diva thing that I had you pegged as, you're bringing that up again. And this is a tangible example in my mind of that. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Go ahead, Tyrus. I said, and the funny thing is, you you hit it when, when Connor's doing it. Oh, he's a businessman. Oh, when this fighters are, oh, they're trying to better their career. When Jorge Maso does it, oh, he's all about the money. But as soon as someone Black does it, get that out of here. Like, bro, how, how stupid are y'all, really? 
How and as if we just, wouldn't notice either. Yeah. You know, what I, like as, as if as if black people don't notice because this happens to them themselves. Like this happens to us. That's why we can also point it out. I had to say that to somebody in, I think my mentions are yours, Kairos, today. I was just like, yo, the reason why we feel this way is because it's happening to us. We see it with police brutality. We see it when we don't get the job. We see it like this is how we are treated in general. It doesn't change because they're UFC fighters. They are black like us. And we have experienced what they've experienced. I don't know how many times I did not get my shot because I look like a tomboy and I'm a black woman. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how many times I have felt like Tyron Woodley. And I'm sure that both of you have, especially Kairos, you competing with white students, white college students, being the only black person in the room, because I know I have felt that way before. So I understand how Tyron feels. So it's so unnerving to go on my mentions and have people that don't even know anything about race or even experience racism tell me that me and Tyron are making this about race. I get the fuck out of here, you know? Go ahead. And, And as well, when Dana White has had the opportunity to speak out, about race in the past. He's fumbled it. I mean, look how he handled the whole Colby Covington. I mean, that was a clear case of someone needed to be reprimanded and he let that slide by saying, "Correct, we don't tell our fighters what to say. What? When it goes down and steps over the line of race, you don't tell your fighters what to say? What? He identified with the guy who has serious, like people always want to talk about what has Donald Trump actually done that's racist? Let's hold on. Let me cite some of this shit. You know, he got reprimanded for kicking out his black employees who were in the front of his Year, because he, in the in the 80s. In the yes. 80s. He all he also would not rent out his apartments to black tenants. That is the use of your power <laughs> against another race, which is the definition of racism. <laughs> to exert your power over an entire race is the definition of racism. And that mm. motherfucker was doing racist shit and the definition of racism in the 80s. And then now he's talking about Mexicans are rapists and this, this and that. And all types of people are being kicked out of this country, but not Irish illegal immigrants, by the way. So and then we have Dana White, who worships these ideologies, who Mm. is friends with the man that does this. And everyone wants to ignore the nuance that that creates, that Dana White supports these racist ideologies and he's running a business. So, of course, black fighters like Tyron and everybody else feels like they're not getting their fair share. Mm. And fuck anybody else who is not black and cannot relate to this that wants to argue this. Seriously, it's it's too much. And it's why I talk about it a little bit less on my page because I'm realizing the demographic involved in this sport is mostly rednecks, racist Trump people. So I don't really even pop off anymore as much about the race thing because I know who I'm dealing with, racist white people that watch this sport. You're throwing a stone into the dark saying catch. These motherfuckers are not catching it. They're not, they will not, they will not catch it. Why argue? Yes, that's how I just, and it's, it's so disheartening too because it hurts me because I see a lot of white people standing up for me and they'll be like, Kairos, 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 why aren't you? Why aren't you? And I'm like, because you don't, I have had 24 years. I'm sorry, I'm 25. I've had 25 years of explaining myself to walls, to motherfuckers who will just never get it. It's the point of diminishing return. If yeah. I am constantly pouring myself out into all these different people, trying to put out all these different fires, sure, I might extinguish a few. Maybe I'll extinguish a, many of you. But for the most part, it's not going to do anything for me. So why the fuck am I going to continue wasting my breath? 
Like, thank no. you. Thank you. As if this shit isn't traumatic, as if we don't live this shit, as if we don't see it every day on the TV. And then now I got to sit here and hold your hand and, and, and get you to understand what I how I feel about racism when it's right there in your fucking face and you're the one in denial. I don't think so. Yo, I had to tell someone today in, in the mentions, stop telling me not to talk about race. I get that we don't agree, but you don't get me to tell me to shut up about talking about it. Mm. But you don't have to agree with me. And that is the problem. And I told him that. Stop telling people like me and Kairos and whatnot to stop making this about race. I will make this about whatever the fuck I want. You don't get to tell me how to speak. Exactly. And it reminds me of that conversation. I forget the young man's name, but he basically said more or less the same sort of thing to you and I when we were drawing parallels about race. And was so in his feelings that he wanted to double down on that. And he was really upset with us. But lo and behold, six months later, he came back with his tail between his legs with a massive apology to say he was bang out of order. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. In fact, I checked my WhatsApp messages. He found me there because I keep ignoring him like on other social networks. Wow. So I think Same. he tracked me down on WhatsApp, which was kind of scary. I've never interacted with him on there, but I, I don't oh. know how he found me. So I didn't respond and I blocked him because it's like, I know you from Twitter. How the fuck you find my WhatsApp? Yeah, and because that's your personal number. How would he have That's strange. Me? That's really strange. That's why I tell people you got to be careful with this online shit. You know? People find your information or, and it could be for a myriad of reasons. This person really wanted to apologize to me, but I still blocked him and said nothing. But it's, it's very, I, I did like that he came around, but fuck you, yeah. it's too late and you're weird. So yeah, same. I mean, I just give him there at the same time, because the way I look at it is, look, we tried to help you. We tried to tell you and you were rude and you didn't want to listen. And now in the cold light of day after you probably heard it from somewhere else, you've come back with your tail between your legs. But what worries me about that is that he found you on WhatsApp because just like you, I'd been ignoring him in the DMs. I'd been ignoring mm -hmm. him on the timeline. And for him to find you on WhatsApp, that is, that's troubling. Yeah, yeah. Blocked, not worried about it at all. And this person is very far, I believe. That's how he found me on WhatsApp because that's how I used to talk to like my, you know, people in Haiti and yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And you, Mike, because you're in the UK. So I'm fine with with that and i blocked him and i didn't respond so i didn't give him any energy any life to that so i'm fine what's up you know you see call me paranoid you said that's another reason why i'm glad i doubled down on actually restricting how much social media i'm actually signed up to how is your data finding its way from twitter to whatsapp i woke I, up I, one I, day right now i woke up one day and my address was on the internet and they said, go see the bully, somebody. She lives in Brooklyn. And my name and address and phone number was in this tweet. And the, the girls from the ladies chat, some of them have my private phone number. And one of them kept calling until I woke up because it was like 2.30 in the morning. So the bunch of us took it down at 2.30 in the morning. And then I went back to sleep, got up at 4.30 and went to work. But they had to wake me up in the middle of the night. It literally said, somebody go see the bully. And it was my current address. And my phone and number. number. Do you think you got it from that? I have no idea, but I just, I had it taken down maybe 30 minutes from the time it posted. And thank God the asshole posted it at like 2.30. Nobody saw it. Wow. Nobody. Yeah. Wow. So that's why I try to tell people like, you have to really be careful with all this Twitter friendship. These people are not your friends. There's burner accounts. And also people are savvy 
with doxing and whatnot. So I'm not really tripping, but I, I worry about other folks. Like, be careful, you know? Anyway, that looks like we have actually exhausted ourselves in terms of this week's subject matters. I loved every single topic, I have to say. It's a shame that Chisanga um, is so football hungry and uh, so work hungry that he couldn't join us. So we, we sadly um, are without him this week. But um, next week, hopefully, we'll be back to the four musketeers. You know, before then, we've got a weekend less of um, or weekend devoid of fights. What are you guys up to this weekend? What are you up to, Kairos? Um, I'm doing more and more video editing. Like that's, I got to get back into it. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to even like, like I said, last week, I didn't watch them either. I watched the fights the next day because I just wasn't fucking feeling it. I'm going to do the same thing this Saturday. I'm not going to watch it. And I'll watch the ones cherry pick them. Like, it's just, it's so fucking consuming to watch all these events. Like I have fight pass. I fucking got the notification to watch Cage Wars. I turned that shit on, watched like three straight fights. I was like, I'm fucking tired. And I shut that shit off. Like it's, it's a job. It's a job, yeah. bro. I got a yeah. job. So like, come on now. Right. Yeah. How about you? I, what are you up to? I agree with Kairos. When we don't have a weekend of fights, I kind of like that when Twitter burns to the ground and we and people start dragging each other and it's <laughs> war and people start going <laughs> to jail. And I'm not really caught up in Twitter scandals no more. So it's nice to sit back and watch people just fucking burn. So I'm going to enjoy that. And also I'm going to go to the beach and just get some sun and, and exercise and be healthy you know, get the mind right. And that's it really. Cause I'm with Kairos. It does sometimes feel like a job because fellas, we cover this shit. We talk about it. We do Twitter spaces. We're breaking down shit. Sometimes you need to disconnect, you know, what about I'm you, Mike? Make, I'm going to be making beats. I, I, I'm not sure if you might know this Kairos, but back in the day with the old classics, we're talking like the Rakims, the, um, 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 um big daddy Kane, and really the old school artists, whether it's KRS One, Public Enemy, they all used to use an MPC 60. It's a big machine that you use basically to produce music. So it's a, it's a, it's a sampler. I've now got one of these, but as an iPad, it's a kind of like a, it's an app, but it's got all of the features of that big MPC 60 that I used to use back in the day. So I've now been making beats. So I'm gonna be making beats over the weekend Hip hop beats. Nice. That's what's going to be the company. Drop them what in the broadcast What's that? I said there. Um, there's this producer. I forget his name, but this guy has produced for some of the biggest rapper. Not big. He's produced for everybody, pretty much. I can't, I can't fucking remember his name right now. But he did a video about a year or two ago. All the beats that he has been making for these rappers, he did it on that iPad app. The, the MP60. Yes. I don't Send know. Me that what video, the please. Please, I want to find it. But he was like, people are like, are you serious? Like, yeah. They ask me, they tell me what they want. I'm like, okay. And I sit down, pull out my iPad, start working on it. They're like, all right, are you going to go back to the studio? I was like, nah, this is my studio. Like, he legit uses an iPad with the app on it to make the beats. Amazing. You know the WoCast theme that G and I use? Mm-hmm. Yes. That was created on an MPC 60 by my man, uh, 0.5XL. That's all he uses. And that just sounds- And that beat is dope. Yeah, he is incredible. Yeah. Go and check him out at 0.5 XL. He is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Ooh, sounds good. I'll find that video for you, though, because it's crazy. Like, he's, he's really good. You would never know. You would never know that no. he's using that iPad. Amazing. 
Well, okay, that's another uh, episode in the can, and um, we're going to catch you next time. Peace. Yes, later, y'all.